2: The state of Arkansas hasn't put anyone to death in more than a decade because of legal challenges and the difficulty of getting execution drugs. Then in February, Governor Asa Hutchinson put a schedule in place to execute eight convicted murderers over 11 days, an unprecedented pace of executions in recent American history. The reason for the speed? The state's supply of one of the execution drugs expires at the end of the month. Governor Hutchinson told KTHV he knows how controversial going ahead with the executions is.
0: Whenever you look at an expiration date, even though the experts say that the the potency of the drug lasts far beyond that, uh, I knew that that would lead to another challenge by the uh, defense lawyers if we went beyond the expiration date.
2: Lawyers for the state of Arkansas are fighting on multiple federal and state court levels to begin the series of executions. On Saturday, a federal judge granted stays to the eight Arkansas inmates, putting the executions on hold. Our guests are Robert Dunham, executive director of the Death Penalty Information Center, and Austin Sarrett, president of... Jurisprudence and polit- Professor, excuse me, Professor of Jurisprudence and Political Science at Amherst College, Robert. There was also a action in state court, but let's begin with the grounds Federal Judge Kristen Baker gave in her very long opinion for issuing the stay.
0: Well, essentially, what the federal court said was that the prisoners had proven uh, that medallum was likely to create uh, an unnecessarily painful execution. And the reason for that is that the, it's a three-drug process. Uh, the first drug is usually uh, an anesthetic, uh, but midazolam is not an anesthetic, it's a sedative. Uh, and second drug is a paralytic agent. The third drug stops the heart. But uh, everyone agrees that if the first drug doesn't work, the second and third drugs will subject the uh, prisoner to an excruciating death. And so she found, based on the longest evidentiary hearing so far, Uh, that there was a significant risk uh, of unconstitutional pain and suffering.
3: Austin, under Arkansas law, why do they have to do it with these drugs? Isn't there some other way they could do this in a more, um, I don't know, a slower pace uh, and use some other drugs or some other method?
1: Well, Arkansas, like uh, every state that has the death penalty, has a protocol which it needs to follow in order to carry out Um, illegal execution, and the state protocol prescribes the drugs uh, that are to be used. Um, Arkansas, like many states, has had difficulty getting those drugs and worries, of course, that if it uh, doesn't execute before the end of April, it won't be able to get a sufficient supply of the drugs necessary um, in order to execute. What Arkansas is doing is uh, quite unusual. Uh, it, it's not, it wouldn't be the first or only state to try to execute uh, two people in one day. But doing two people in one day over a course of uh, you know, four days is, is really quite un, unusual. I think only in the last, oh forty 40 years have uh, there been 10 double executions in a single day. And doing it that way, this assembly line style of execution – I think really increases dramatically uh, the possibility of a mishap, uh, an error, or a botched execution.
2: Robert, adding to the controversy, a number of drug companies have asked courts to block the use of their drugs and in one case accused the state of misleading the company and going back on a promise to return the drugs. How does that enter into this?
0: Well, that's that's the second suit that was filed. And I think it, it goes more into the question of execution secrecy. Uh, the McKesson Company was the distributor for the Vecuronium bromide, the paralytic agent, which was produced by Pfizer. Uh, and they had uh, they sold it to the state of Arkansas, uh, but they had been told at the time that it was going to be used as a medicine uh, to help people who, uh, who needed medical procedures. And it is not authorized to be used in executions, Uh, Pfizer has distribution controls against that. So they asked that the drugs be returned. They offered a refund. They gave a refund, and Arkansas did not return the drugs. So uh, that raises another very significant question with all the secrecy statutes that we've seen uh, popping up so states can carry out executions. States have been saying they needed secrecy. To protect the drug manufacturers and distributors uh, from a backlash for participating in executions, it turns out that 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 in this case and in several other cases, uh, the secrecy has actually been used to try to hide from the drug manufacturers themselves uh, the fact that the states are misusing the drugs.
3: Austin, we have about 30 seconds. But what what right where right now do we stand legally? What what's Arkansas going to try to do now that it's lost in these lower courts? Well,
1: they're going to try to get the injunction, temporary restraining order. Um, lifted. What they're going to try to do is they're going to try to argue that the, the federal judge made an error of law in her ruling. I, I really don't think that they're likely to succeed. I think that what's going to happen is there's going to be a call for an extended evidentiary hearing and uh, proceeding, which is likely to delay these uh, executions.
2: We've been talking about Arkansas's rush to put eight convicted murderers to death over 11 days days—an unprecedented pace of executions in recent American history, the reason being that the state's supply of one of the execution drugs expires at the end of the month. And we've been talking with two experts in this area Robert Dunham, Executive Director of the Death Penalty Information Center, and Austin Surratt, Professor of Jurisprudence and Political Science at Amherst College. Robert, the drug used for sedation that seems to be uh, the problem here is midazolam, and it was actually part of a Supreme Court case, and it was upheld, the use of it was upheld in a case from. Oklahoma, I believe it was, less than two years ago with Justice Alito writing that the Constitution doesn't require the avoidance of all risk of pain in execution. So what is the issue here that would take it, you know, beyond that pronouncement by the Supreme Court?
0: The the issue is the factual record is different. Uh, The United States Supreme Court didn't actually say that it was constitutional to use midazolam. It said that the Prisoners in Oklahoma had not proven that it was unconstitutional. Uh, and that case, like the case we have right now in Arkansas, came out of a, uh, a preliminary injunction uh, with a very limited evidentiary record uh, in, the, in the Oklahoma case. There's a much more developed record in this case, uh, and there have been several botched executions since Gossip that have changed the factual background. So applying the exact same law, uh, the district court here reached a different conclusion about the risks that Medaslam posed.
3: Austin, one of the things that is a little bit odd about this kind of death penalty litigation is that, you know, what the state is seeking to do is to put people to death. They're going to die if they are executed. and the But we're fighting about whether or not it's a painful death or it's not a painful death. I, I could imagine some people asking, why does that actually matter in terms of what the courts should be doing?
1: Well, it matters because uh, we have a constitutional commitment to punish in a particular way. Uh, the Eighth Amendment forbids punishment that is cruel and unusual. And for as long as it has been the United States, as long as it has been the Bill of Rights, as long as it has been the Constitution, there's been the belief that how we punish is as important as that we punish. In order for our punishments to be legitimate, to be acceptable, to be compatible with our legal, constitutional, cultural values, We have to punish in a way that respects uh, the dignity of those that we condemn and that also accords to them the kind of treatment that the Constitution requires. And indeed, those who are in favor of capital punishment have the greatest investment in making sure that that punishment is seen to be uh, not just appropriate, but also legitimate. And I think that's really what's at stake in Arkansas, it's the question of whether or not the punishment, it's not just is the punishment deserved by these people, but can we carry out the punishment in a way that doesn't damage our values and undermine the legitimacy of the system of punishment itself?
2: Robert, look forward a little bit or perhaps a lot to to the current Supreme Court and this question coming before the current Supreme Court, do you see the same kind of division on the court?
0: Well, I, I don't think that um, that there's a huge change in the balance of the Court on death penalty issues. Uh, Justice Kennedy is still the swing vote. Uh, and uh, on this case and in many other cases, uh, the outcome is going to be what Justice Kennedy says it's going to be. Um, with with respect to this particular issue that's coming up, uh, there is a question about uh, appeals jurisprudence and how courts go about deciding cases because what's involved here is whether what the district court did was clearly erroneous uh, or whether there was <clears throat> not just a mistake of fact but mistaken mistake in law. Uh, what, the, what the judge here did was identical to what the Oklahoma judge did in the Glossop case. So it comes down to whether... Uh, the court it will be outcome-oriented, uh, or whether it's going to fo- follow the same type of jurisprudence and defer to the fact-finding of the lower court.
2: Just, just briefly, Austin, it's was, it was about 30 seconds. This has been had known since February. Is there a reason why it, it picked up speed all of a sudden?
1: Well, often in death cases, uh, issues emerge at the last minute, Uh, Here, I think what you saw is you saw a confluence of events. Indeed, what's happening in Arkansas is kind of systematic about what's happening with the death penalty system across the United States. You see challenges to the appropriateness of executing a particular individual. You see challenges to carrying forward executions that could compromise the legal representation of these individuals. And you see challenges that go to the question about whether we have a method of execution that at the end of the day is safe, reliable, and humane.
2: Thank you both for being on Bloomberg Law. That's Austin Surratt, Professor of Jurisprudence and Political Science at Amherst College, and Robert Dunham, Executive Director of the Death Penalty Information Center.
0: Hi, everyone. I'm
1: Paul Anka. And I'm Skip Bronson.
0: And what happens when two old friends take their decades of experience in the business and entertainment worlds and sit down with our buddies?